Hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the only podcast to feature us talking about comics, but only because nobody else will fucking ask. I am Max. And I am JR. Seriously, though, like, we'll we'll do it. Just shut up. Just ask me and I will. Yeah, we'll we'll do something else. <laughs> We're trapped, guys. Please, please ask us to come on your show. <laughs> Um, how's it going? <laughs> I'm cursed. Uh, uh, it's fine. This week was a bit of a mess. Uh, we're hoping next week's less of a mess. But that's, awesome. uh, yeah. <laughs> no need for details. Because I don't want to provide them. But, uh, yeah. That's fair. You know, yeah. you don't you don't have to put everything out there. It's fine. Yeah. You already get my shitty takes on uh, Jack Kirby. I don't. Yeah, you don't need to know the rest of my crap. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you? Uh, better than that, apparently. Ah, I'm just tired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, week was fine. I guess. I don't know. General, uh, just shaking my fist at the world, but. I, uh, a lot I, of that. That is just how things are going to be now. Yep. So. Buckle up. News. Cup. That's the way this is. <laughs> news. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so to start with, let's talk about the anti-Semitic Hulk. Um, Hooray! What? Uh, so a new issue of Immortal Hulk came out number 43 um that has a um has a panel so bruce banner the bruce banner personality is ostensibly dead um his body's still moving around filled with all the other personalities um and so Joe Fixit is running the show currently. And so he is out and he's like lifting people's wallets. Uh, and he does this to one guy. Um, <clears throat> takes his wallet, uses his credit card to go and um, buy a bunch of jewelry. Uh and then turn around and pawn it so as to get the cash. Um, the, the thing about it is, uh, when he does, the, um, the background features the window of a uh, jewelry store um, called Cronenberg... Uh, Cronenberg Brothers Jewelry with a big star of David. Um, the problem is, in doing this, he left out the L in jewelry. Uh, so it says Cronenberg Brothers Jewelry. Um, he has, of course, uh, responded and apologized. Um, now... 
So two things. Number one, um, Marvel has announced that comic shops will be able to return those issues and receive new ones, both of the regular cover and the variant, uh, based on what they ordered previously, uh, that has that removed. So, good. If you bought it, you can get a new one. Um, what I will say is, now I don't, as far as I can tell, there doesn't seem to have been anything else about Joe Bennett being anti-Semitic. Um, what I will say is, this is not the this is not the type of thing where you're just typing stuff out in a hurry and you didn't catch it or whatever. This is um, somebody had to so Joe Bennett had to draw it. There were two inkers on the book, a letterer, a colorist, three editors up and down the chain, stuff like that. A total of nine people had to completely miss the lack of an L here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, could it be accidental? Sure. But the amount of work that was not done for this to see print. Right. Is a bit of an issue. Uh, like there had to be failures up and down the entire chain in order for this to happen. Like had it just been somebody drew a thing. Okay. But somebody drew a thing. Then somebody else came along and inked it. Then somebody else came along and <coughs> colored it. Yeah. Then somebody else had that page while they were lettering it and completely missed what was going on. And so on and so forth. So, come on. Like, get on it. That's, I, I mean, that's, I, I think that's where I ended up with most was if there's history of, of, of the artist doing shit like this then yeah we need to we need to cut this off yeah if there isn't <coughs> i'm willing to be like at very least holy shit guys like mm -hmm. there were nine of you yeah. like how did you let this go through uh, there were at least nine of you and then yeah there were there 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 should have been somebody should have got this but yeah there, yeah i don't know that's that's at, there's it points to incompetence at the very least um, yeah to foul play i mean i hope not but if it is let's get that figured out too right yeah um, also if foul play by whom and again there were fucking nine of you right yeah. like get your shit together one of you yeah. should have caught this this is an easy one guys there's yeah. no this is this one's black and white don't do that right yeah but like okay all right the other thing to talk about is the newest episode of wandavision um if you are holding off on watching uh, and you don't want spoilers 
feel free to skip ahead to 1827 uh so yeah um the newest episode there were a couple of things that were interesting uh i will say um first of all so the x-rays did not come out at all and so my thinking is she absorbed them so hooray monica has powers yeah um stuff like that but the big thing the big thing is that uh pietro showed up at the end of the episode and uh and he was played by evan peters um so you know i can't Here's the thing. I can't imagine if you're listening to this show, you're wholly unaware of the situation vis-a-vis Quicksilver, meaning in the MCU, he was played by Aaron Taylor Johnson only in Age of Ultron. Then on the Fox side of things, uh, he was played by Evan Peters in Days of Future Past, um, Days of Future Past, uh, Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix. Um, and never the twain were to have met, ostensibly. However, since Disney now owns Fox, yeah, um, Evan Peters is now Quicksilver. Um, I don't know. I'm curious to know whether they asked Aaron Taylor Johnson and he said no or if it was let's just do Evan Peters because he's the one everybody likes better well I mean am I am I wrong like no I mean (laughs) I'm not saying the only redeemable part of three movies helps your case though certainly Uh, (laughs) but like so I've had some interaction with folks about this already and to me i'm like hey guys let's chill right because there's already like lots of speculation okay we're we're doing mutants we're doing mutants in the mcu finally we're doing it and it's like no hold on on. we don't know we still don't know what's going on it depends on what's going on like if she's inventing them from whole cloth which is possible then that's one thing then they just did what darcy said in the episode and they just recast pietro and it's fine right because it doesn't it matters less because she literally manifested them the three of them the boys and uh pietro um however if we're doing a different thing where she's pulling like where she is pulling um actual pu- actually pulling people and objects from alternate universes then okay maybe we're doing mutants right but like chill we don't know well, what the fuck is happening here because we don't know because they've never and, seen a, and especially because now here's the, <laughs> here's the thing everything everything is cause for speculation in these in these um you know these episodes are so chock full 
of Easter eggs and things. And honestly, we won't, we probably won't know every single Easter egg until down the road. Then we'll go back and be like, oh, so when they said this, they were referring to blah. But here's the thing. So there's speculation that in the newest episode, when Monica says there's an aerospace engineer that she knows, there's speculation she's referring to Reed Richards. Now, that to me carries more credence than, oh shit, mutants, simply because they have already announced a new Fantastic Four movie. The fact that we have not even had gotten word of anything mutant related other than Deadpool 3 says to me, mm, mm. <laughs> so. And Deadpool 3 could be its own goddamn thing where they just, they pull a joker on it and they're just like, that's, it's still over there. Fuck it. Fuck it all. Well, suppose, I don't know. I don't, I've seen things about it actually being in the MCU. So I don't know. But ultimately, speculation is just that. It's purely speculation. Um, I It was a big deal um, for Evan Peters to show up regardless. Um, sure. But I thought they did it. They did a decent job because I was, I mean, I called it in my head. I was like, okay, Quistler's just going to show up at the end of the issue or at the end of the episode. I had that pegged as soon as she I did them. too, but only because it got spoiled at three o'clock in the fucking morning on no, Friday. I mean, it got alluded to, to me on Twitter. No, but, I, um, I, I, I agree. I'm just saying I knew going in that that was going to happen because people could not avoid spoiling that shit that like give people a chance to watch the episode is all I'm saying. It's so hard, though, at the beginning when she She does. And I was like, I agree. We're doing. I agree. And basically what I had at that point was, okay, so we're doing that this issue, this episode. um, And that's fine. The thing that I thought was cool, directorial choice-wise, was like, okay, we're doing... The only thing I didn't know was which one, right? I was like, they're going to do Quicksilver at the end of this. Uh, I wonder which one. The thing that I thought was cool was the shot showing him from behind was like, peg Quicksilver, right? Yeah. But I still didn't know which one. And then they flipped her, and it was like, oh, okay, cool. We're doing this. I don't know what that means, but we're doing it. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that was I thought that was at least a fun way to do two reveals at once. Like if you're not paying, if you weren't paying attention, be like, "Holy shit, that's Quicksilver!" Holy shit, that's not. Oh, what? I yeah. Like I said, though, if you look. If you are on social media and you want to talk about an episode, fine. But do not spoil shit without giving people a reasonable amount of time to have seen the episode. When I when I saw the the stuff about Quicksilver, um 
And yeah, I know they were telegraphing it and stuff like that. But when I saw the stuff about Quicksilver and found out that it was Evan Peters playing Quicksilver, the episode had literally been up for four hours at that point. Like, two weeks after? Okay, like, fine, whatever. But for fuck's sake, four hours? Fuck you. Anyway. Uh, yeah, we, we, have a, we have a mutual on Twitter that I was like, Damn it, lady, <laughs> chill. Who was who that? Mickey. Oh, really? I missed. In the middle I of the day her. on Friday, I was just right. like rolling through, you know, and then I go, and she didn't say anything overt, but it was like just enough that I was like, hey, hey lady, chill. <laughs> There's a couple people I follow who made oblique references to it, and that's fine. Yeah. Like saying oh my god the end of the episode holy shit like that's one thing but (coughs) there you know at one point on friday i was getting on to check the reading and uh in the trending stuff was evan peters and under that quicksilver and wandavision and i'm like well okay (laughs) like you know so anyway whatever don't don't go out of your way to spoil shit don't be an asshole like some people don't care some people do let people enjoy shit you don't have to be first you don't you're not a news site you're not you're some dude with 50 fucking followers you no one is expecting you to be the first one to be like evan peters uh so comics um iron man number 113 has a cover by john romita jr and bob mcleod uh written by bill mantlow penciled by herb trimpey and keith pollard inked by joseph rubenstein colored by phil rachelson lettered by john costanza and edited by roger stern uh jesper sitwell and jack of hearts leave um and then, um, you know, we have a mysterious dude who's like hanging around SI, uh, don't know why, don't really care. We'll get to it, whatever. Um, and then the unicorn attacks Stark International's docks. Uh, he and Iron Man fight. Uh, during which it becomes clear that Unicorn is being controlled by somebody referred to as the other. Um, But Iron Man defeats him. uh, And uh, that's that. Um, I will say the way in which the Unicorn is defeated is kind of interesting in that the Unicorn starts pulling a solar truck at iron man from behind but iron man is aware of it so at the same time he activates this remote control car uh that he has which starts heading at unicorn from behind he then ducks out of the way and so both slam into unicorn and that's what takes him out it's kind of cool but yeah overall it's it's 
an okay it's a issue. Whole lot of nothing happens. Uh, yeah, except for the fight, and the fight's okay, but I don't know. I was, I didn't, I wasn't in love. Yeah, I mean, it was whatever. Um, so Iron Man number one fourteen has a cover by John Romita Jr. and Dan Green. Penciled by Keith Giffen, inked by Bruce Patterson, colored by Ben Sean, and lettered by Diana Albers. Iron Man brings the unicorn to the Avengers um, in order to try and cure him of the cellular degeneration that he's been suffering from for a while now. Um, Beast... Beast is getting on my nerves with all of this because he's just like, why are we trying to cure villains? And it's just kind of like, hey, Beast, how about you don't be a dick? Um, hey, Beast, remember we're the good guys. Yeah. Yeah, Jerk. Like, this is a good guy did, thing. They're just going to get out and make more trouble. Yeah, well, go, go, go. If you're not going to help, get out. Yeah. Right? Uh, but so... When, when they take him inside... The unicorn winds up getting out and smashing some stuff up, but then a robot called Arsenal shows up and wrecks the place. Um, and <laughs> slams unicorn, uh, not putting him down, uh, and then proceeds to just slaughter the Avengers. Not actually, but like it's it's a pretty one sided fight here. Uh, and Iron Man, uh, Iron Man has to defeat him. Um, uh, he's able to take it down, but then it disappears and he's just like, well, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Hopefully start that's not a problem. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be a problem later. Uh, so Iron Man takes Unicorn back to Stark International, and he's just like, man, whole lot of question marks right now. Um, yeah. So, Iron Man number 115 has a cover by John Romita Jr., Bruce Patterson, and Gaspar Saladino. Uh, is penciled by John Romita Jr., which, if I'm not mistaken, is the first interior work we've seen from John Romita Jr., Oh, has he been um, doing covers mostly? He's been primarily doing covers and things like that. Um, I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've come across him actually penciling the, a book. Um, but I may be wrong. I don't know. Uh, but inked by Dan Green, colored by Don Warfield, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Diana Albers, and edited by Roger Stern and Jim Salakrep. What I will say is... <clears throat> As a kid, reading uh, Uncanny X-Men, I loved John Romita Jr. And then, um, well, and the one issue that I had with John Romita Jr. is that everybody was so stocky at that point in time. Like, every character he drew was fucking thick. Um, and then when he wound up penciling uh amazing spider-man during the uh j michael straczynski run uh he had sorted a lot of that out there were a lot of different body types f 
going forward. And so I was just like, hooray, John Romita Jr. And he solved the one issue I had with him. Um, there is no indication of any of that yet. Uh, yeah. As it stands, he's doing competent, if not uh, auteur-level artwork here. It is, it's not the kind of artwork that if you look at it, you're just like, that's John Romita Jr. Unless you really know your shit. Um, it's very, but it's, this is the Marvel way. Yeah, I mean, it's... always fine. It's very clear that he learned how to draw at his, you know, from his dad and his dad's friends. And that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying that... It does. It's a. It's a very uh, '70s Marvel look to it that does not say this is John Romita Jr. Um, but so Iron Man attempts to scan Unicorn's mind in order to find out who the other is, uh, but it doesn't work out. Uh, he's able to. He's able to find out some of what happened to the unicorn. Uh, but not who the other actually is. Um, so he goes up to his penthouse uh, and is ambushed by the Animen. Um And, you know, they, they wind up slightly surprised that Stark is able to take care of himself. Um, in the end, though, it is largely pointless because he gets hit from behind and it turns out that the Animen are working for Madame Mask who is trying to save her father, Count Nefaria, who last we saw had been uh, turned into an old man due to accelerated aging. Um, so Madame Mask is going to try and force Tony to save her father's life. <clears throat> so... That brings us to our last issue of Iron Man this week, uh, number 116, which has a cover by John Romita Jr. and Bob Layton and is written by David Michelinie, inked by Bob Layton, colored by George Russo's, lettered by Annette Kowacki, and edited by Roger Stern. Uh, the Animen kind of beat the shit out of Tony a bit to try and... Uh, get him to um to do what Madame Mask wants uh however the uh he is able to get to his um a hidden stash of weapons and starts shooting at them but um that doesn't do anything for him he winds up able to get to his attache case at which point he puts on the armor. Uh, having done so, the Animen are like, oh shit, Tony Stark is Iron Man? Uh, but it doesn't matter because uh, Spymaster has planted a bomb, uh, which at this point proceeds to go off, and uh, the Animen are all killed. <laughs> so it, it has no... It does not matter that they found out because they're all dead. Um, Madame Mask is able to escape 
uh, with Count Nefaria. Um, but Tony knows where she's headed. So he goes to Stark International, where he is attacked by the LMD Tony Stark. But it doesn't matter. He takes it out. Uh, there's a, there's an, a confrontation between he and Madame Mask. Uh, during which she activates a landing, a, a lander that he had created to explore Jupiter. Um, he's able to turn it over. Um, but it smashes the equipment uh, that was holding Nefaria. Uh, and so Madame Mask is like, what did you do? And he's like, I'm sorry, it was an accident. And she's like, okay, but like, I gotta leave. Like, I just got some shit to sort out. And <coughs> it's very abrupt. This whole thing is very abrupt. Yeah. And honestly, I think what it is, is that... Um, Bill Mantlo is leaving the book and David Michelini is coming on. And so they were just like, we gotta, we gotta wrap up all of this Madame Mask shit and get her out because they're just not, he, David Michelini doesn't want Madame Mask here. Um, so it's, it's a bit abrupt, but also like, I guess not that surprising. Um, yeah, I think I feel like it's unfortunate that that's clearly what is going on because mm. we're clearing the decks for somebody else to come in and do something, right? That was the whole of this arc was just getting rid of some stuff so that we can let somebody else do whatever they want to do. And unfortunately, it isn't very satisfying. And also, I actually liked their relationship it caused interesting conflicts and that's gone now so you better fucking knock it out of the park since you got rid of this yeah that's my yeah. thing yeah um i and then because i want to say that clearing, we're only Sorry. clearing the decks i just don't really like this four issue arc like it's yeah it's it's not it's not great because it is clearly just to get things to where the next writer wants them to be. Um, if I'm not mistaken, David Michelinie's run on Iron Man is pretty well regarded. Okay. Uh, so I think it's gonna wind up being worth it, but we'll see. Um, Overall, though, yeah, these issues aren't super stellar, uh, but whatever. It's it's forget it, Jake. It's monthly superhero comics. Yep. So that brings us to Marvel Premiere number forty-four, which has a cover by Mike Zeck and Rudy Nebris. Written by Bill Mantlo, penciled by Keith Giffen, inked by Rudy Nebris, colored by Roger Slifer, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Diana Albers, uh, and edited by Roger Stern. Uh, this issue deals exclusively with Jack of Hearts 
after he takes off from Stark International. Um, and it's not it's not bad. Uh, we start out and Jack is flying back to his family estate when there is, when along the way the Coast Guard is looking for an overturned yacht. Um, I really, Jack, really like the captain of the Coast Guard vessel being like, that's nah, super... He, they spied Jack flying over, and he's like, they're going to pass us by. Fuck those superheroes. They're always selfish, and they're not going to help at all. And Jack's like, oh, shit, look, that yacht. And he flashes real bright so that the Coast Guard can see him, and they're like, oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, didn't mean to be a dick about you. Well, the, the thing about it is, so the captain, like this, this ensign's like, look, it's a superhero. Maybe you can help us. And the captain's like, even if we could communicate with him over this storm, his kind has their own shit going on. Like, they're they're fighting their big battles. We're beneath his notice. So, uh, Jack helps them save the yacht, the people on the yacht. At which point the captain is like, that was a wonderful thing you did, son. And Jack's like, even though my kind only concerns itself with uh, with trouble on a cosmic scale, scale captain. And uh, he's like, oh, oh shit. Uh, sorry. <laughs> so Jack continues on to his family's estate where he meets a butler who has been assigned by S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, we get a brief rundown of what's happened to Jack up until this point. We find out that there are these, there's this neuro mist that allows him to exist outside his armor for an hour. Uh, because if you're not familiar with Jack of Hearts, his whole thing is he was exposed to this zero fluid and as a result he's bursting with energy which is contained by the armor he wears. Um, so this it Nero mist, sorry. It also burned half his face. Yeah. That's why he's got the black down right one side. Yeah. Um, the Nero mist does nothing for that, but it allows him to wear, take off his armor for a little while. Um, so he and this new butler talk, um, and the butler Martins is like, by the way, this, uh, this letter arrived for you and it's like perfumed, uh, and so Martin's like, hmm. And Martin's is like, hmm, well, hello. And uh, Jack of Hearts is like, don't get excited. It's clearly not from a woman. Uh, and it, it turns out that the corporation, which Jack had thought he had smashed uh, previously, wasn't. Uh, that was just a a franchise <laughs> that was some franchisee of ultimate evil and uh the so person <laughs> do what so an arby's yeah it, it's like an evil arby's it's it, it, well it's like it's like an evil mcdonald's That's just an arby's. come on <laughs> they, i mean arby's has to be a front right uh they own 
they own the land and they set the menu you know yeah. uh so but it turns out that whoever the person while he had killed the person who killed his father the person who ordered it is still out there so uh he he finds out or he figures out where this person is located i forget whether it says it actually had coordinates or not um I don't know. Um, I think it just had a return address, but whatever. So he uh, he gets around and heads to Ithaca um, for a run in with this guy, Hemlock. They have a fight and it does not like it kind of goes back and forth a bit, but ultimately it does not go well for Hemlock in that a he winds up losing a bunch of his flowers, which just pisses him off. Uh, but B, he gets his ass kicked by um, by Jack of Hearts. And so Jack, uh, well, they go back and forth. What ultimately takes him down is the fact that Jack is down for the moment and then Hemlock tries to cut him out of his armor which then causes him to get hit with all this energy. I don't know if that killed him or not. Uh, but, you know, it's fine. Either way, he's a kind of he's kind of a shitty character. So even if he wasn't killed here, I don't know that it would have mattered. Uh, because, yeah, um, yeah, I can't even find whether or not he's technically survived. So, I guess it doesn't matter. Um, but this anyway. Is just, this is all just to tell us that the corporation still exists and is out there. And Yeah. Because literally, like, the only time Hemlock shows up again is in the first issue of Jack of Hearts' own... Uh, self-titled series uh which was a four issue miniseries in the 80s and even that is only in flashbacks so whatever fuck him uh overall though the the issue itself isn't bad um if you are unfamiliar with jack of hearts it's not a bad introduction to him um so you know and, I mean, there is something to be said that this is the first, I feel like it's one of the first times Jack of Hearts has gotten to, got into a fight and not been a complete dummy about it, right? Yeah, he's like, been kind of a knob up until now, like just yeah, bumbling shit. into stuff that he shouldn't be getting into. Well, so. or, I mean, like, fighting the Hulk that one time was kind of an okay plan but he didn't think it through to where he was fighting the hulk like that's yeah. the next and iron man was like okay just you know you gotta consider some more factors you go to the hulk sure but you get him the hell out of town before you start actually trying to subdue you don't you don't fight the hulk on the pier what is duh it's like, oh, i yeah, i think i what... see that now because i destroyed a ship 
Um, so I think what what kind of works about um, about Jack of Hearts, sorry, at this point in time, is the fact that he mentions the fact that he has a computer brain, <laughs> and that's all fine and good, but he's young and stupid, so he doesn't use it. Right. If he had in that fight against the Hulk, what happened would not have happened. Right. Um, you know, and so a lot of this is a lot of what happens with Jack is a whole lot of, well, I did a dumb thing. And if I'd stopped and thought about it for like a second, my computer brain would have worked out what I should have done. But I didn't because I'm dumb. And that's and, fine. But but I also love it that like half of his deal up until this issue has been hi, um, I'm dumb. Like that's like, he straight up admits it yeah. to Iron Man after they fight the first time. He's like, yep. Nope. Nope. You're right. Uh, Hey, turns out I might be shit at this and need help. Uh, could you do that? And Iron Man's like, I, you know, at the time Iron Man was like, I kind of got a lot of things on my plate, but if you want to hang around and like, just watch that, that could be okay. Uh, yeah. and he's like, okay. Uh, I, I really I really enjoy that. I'm real good at analyzing things. I am not real good at decision making. Uh, yeah. That is, that's, hell, hey man, you're further along than most of us. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I fully recognize that in most things I'm a dummy. Uh, but uh, there are folks out there that will refuse to do that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Life lessons. All right. Uh, I will, I will say I had kind of expected the way it was set up. I think I kind of expected Jack to remain with Iron Man, Iron Man longer. Sure. But again, I think that was a consequence of David <coughs> Nicolini getting ready to come on the book. And so they just kind of got cut all the dead weight. Um, so amazing Spider-Man number 182, uh, which has a cover by Ross Andrew and Mike Esposito, written by Marv Wolfman, penciled by Ross Andrew, inked by Mike Esposito, colored by Glynis Ween, lettered by John Costanza, and edited by Marv Wolfman. Uh, I was not ready for this issue, I'll be honest, um, because most of the issue is kind of dumb. Um Peter has a run-in with the Rocket Racer. The Rocket Racer gets away. Whatever. Rocket Racer goes and pays a visit to his employer, a guy by the name of Jackson Wheel. This is why the issue is dumb. Is because we get... <laughs> Not only do we have Rocket Racer, who's pretty dumb in and of himself, but we have Jackson Wheel, who we'll get to. Uh, so, Jack... Rocket Racer gives Jackson Wheel the stuff he stole. Uh, Jackson Wheel is like, but wait, the stuff that the most incriminating shit isn't in here. Where is it? And Rocket Racer is like, yeah, about that. My price has gone up if you want that stuff. And Jackson Wheel's like, oh, no. Who could have foreseen that dealing with a criminal would result in my getting screwed? Uh, and so sudden but inevitable betrayal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rocket Racer's like, yeah, it was 10000 now it's 20000 
So, uh, Peter goes and visits Aunt May, where he gets shit from both the doctor and Mary Jane for uh, blowing her off. What's what's really frustrating about all of this is that we've talked about how Peter just needs to be honest with Mary Jane. Sure. The thing about it is Mary Jane knows. She knows he's Spider-Man. Uh, in, I think, like, that? the 200s, we find out Mary Jane has known Peter's Spider-Man since he became Spider-Man. Oh. Uh, I don't know th- all the details of it, but, yeah, she's known since the get-go. Um, That's real fucked up on it does it doesn't it doesn't work (laughs) i mean (laughs) it's one of those things that's clearly a retcon but the retcon you like you just have to look at mary jane through like all of this stuff and you recognize that like no that was clearly not the intention the entire time uh Uh because this doesn't work if she knows but if she it's... knows, and she's still giving him this high-caliber shit, it's because she doesn't want him to know that she knows. Because... I also he's... think it may be that... He's clearly working so hard to keep it from her, so he doesn't want to... What? I think I the only explanation that makes sense is that she she knows, but she treats him like this in order to light a fire under his ass for him to tell her. You know what I mean? Sure. Like if she makes him miserable enough, eventually he's gonna be like, "Look, I'm fucking Spider Man, okay." <laughs> And she'll be I like, finally, I'm Spider-Man, I'm doing college. My aunt's trying to die. I think it's my fault all the time. And she's like, yeah, I know you big dumb idiot. And he's like, what? Yeah. Well, what the hell are we doing this for? But like, what's, shit? what's kind of irritating here is that Peter puts up with this from both the doctor and Mary Jane because... He's just a constant misery guts. He's constantly just like, yeah, I suck. But like, all he has to do is tell this doctor, dude, I'm in school and the only one who can pay for this. Like, I have to work. I can't not work or you all don't get paid. What the fuck do you want from me? There's Um, also, uh, there's the way that this doctor treats him. There's a, uh, there is total, I think there, you know, Doctor, you have your own relationship with your doctor, however you want to do it. But if, if I came in to visit my loved one and I'd be, and this doctor treated me this way, I'd be like, hey, doc, get fucked. Because yeah. uh, you don't know me. Uh, yeah. I really appreciate, I really appreciate the work you're doing to keep my loved one alive, but also get fucked. And, yeah. And uh, they would then, I assume, kill my dad. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's probably somebody else who could take over her care. Uh, But whatever. So, 
as this is going on, Jackson Wheel is getting ready to commit suicide rather than uh, pay the rocket racer. Um, so, uh, he is about to jump in when the rocket racer shows up and is like, no, no, the, you owe me money. Give me my money. And so, uh, he mentions in passing that his stuff got upgraded by the tinkerer. So Jackson wheel is like, oh, okay. So he goes to pay a visit to the tinkerer. Um, we have another run-in between Rocket Racer and the police and Spider-Man, but Rocket Racer gets away again. I don't know why. He sucks. Spider-Man should be able to handle... This is one of those where it's just like someone is made a bigger threat than they should be just because that's what drives the conflict, but also, like, he's literally a guy on a skateboard. It's an impressive skateboard, but it's still a skateboard. <laughs> Spider-Man should not have this much trouble with it. But anyway, at the end of this issue, um, yes. he goes to, uh, I think at one point in the course of this, Peter pays a visit to the Bugle to ask for an advance. And Jameson is in such a great mood, he's just like, sure. And so Peter, he's like, go see Robbie. Uh, I will say, I am surprised that Peter ever actually gets paid as often as he takes out advances. Um, sure. Because it seems like he should not make any money when it's all said and done. But whatever. So at the end of this, though, we find out what that advance was for. As... Peter pays a visit to Mary Jane and she's like, oh, what a nice surprise. And he says, hey, I've got something for you and hands her a Cracker Jack box. And she's like, oh, I haven't had one of these in forever. So she opens it up and inside is a diamond engagement ring, at which point Peter proposes to her. Um, I was surprised by this. I was not expecting this going into the reading this week. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised because we are on the verge of the 80s here. So, I guess it makes sense. But I just wasn't aware we were good at getting that already. Um, yeah, it, it kind of came out of nowhere for me as well. Um, yeah. To the point where I'm like, Mary Jane's reaction was my reaction. Where yeah. It's just like, uh, uh, what? What? <laughs> and I thought that was kind of neat, actually. Yeah. That they managed to get me to think that, to feel like her feeling of, holy, I mean, this is, su are you feeling okay? This yeah. is sudden. Um, well, and and given their relationship, it really it really is like they've been dating for a while, but it's never been super serious. Like right. they clearly care for each other, but by the same token, like she's constantly got one foot out the door because yeah. he's like never where he says he is or. Never where he says he's going to be and stuff like that. So 
I mean, I guess, I guess swinging for the, for the fences is his only move here. Well, and like, I get it, man. Like your, your move here is one for stability, right? Like, yeah. His thinking psychologically is if I can pin this one thing down, then I've got that thing, right? Yeah. Like that's taken care of and I don't have to work on it ever again. And it's like, Peter, that's not the way relationships work. And it's, I'm guessing, really not the way marriages work. So just... Can confirm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, you, you need to reevaluate what it is you think you're achieving by doing this which is i think where we get yeah Um, yeah i just like it that that's her yeah i like that that's her her reaction and my reaction are the exact same that's awesome that they were able to do that yeah especially when i've been hanging out with the doofus for the entirety of the book yeah i i agree i agree all right so that brings us to Amazing Spider-Man number 183, which has a cover by Ross Andrew and Ernie Chan, inked by Bob McCloud, colored by Janice Cohen, and lettered by Jim Novak. Uh, Peter shows up for class. Whoop-de-fucking-do. Uh, Jackson Wheel goes and visits the Tinkerer. And is like, I need something to kill somebody. And the Tinker is like, yeah, sure, no problem. That's my uh, jam, man. <laughs> and uh, so... And doesn't then, he even tell him it's it's Racer? And yeah. Tinker's like, I don't give a shit. Your money's still good. Uh, well, and I, I, think, I think if Rocket Racer had already paid Tinkerer for the upgrades, Tinkerer has literally no reason to care. <laughs> like... <laughs> The only reason he might care is if he's still owed money. Yeah. And so, whatever. Um, but, so, Peter goes to visit Aunt May. Um, when he gets there, it turns out that in an amazing confluence of events, Rocket Racer's mom is in the same room as Aunt May. So when Peter arrives at the room, his spider sense goes off. So he's just like, okay. And so he puts on his costume and then bursts into the room, giving Aunt May another heart attack. Uh, He and Rocket Racer tussle. uh, And Rocket Racer is like, I got to get out of here. And Spider-Man's like, I got to get out of here. So they take the fight outside. Um, Well, but first, like... I love the confluence of, of, well, yeah, confluence is kind of the right word, where Peter Burt, you know, Spider-Man bursts into the room, goes, oh, oh no, what am I doing? And then for the rest, for almost the rest of this fight, all he's trying to do is get out of the room. Like, that's, yeah. that is his one and only goal. He's like, he's like, oh no, what am I doing? Uh, Racer, I don't, did we ever learn his name? Reggie, maybe? Um, I, I forget. He he stands up and is like, it's Robert. He goes, he, he's like, fuck that. And hits hits uh, Spider-Man with a chair. And Spider-Man's like, God, okay, sorry. And then he grabs Robert, 
throws him out of the room and is like, it's time for me to go. At that point, the security shows up and they're like, holy shit, it's Spider-Man, get him! And Spider-Man's like, no, I just want to leave! And he has to web them to the ceiling. Then Racer comes back in as Racer now and they keep fighting in the room. <laughs> Spider-Man's just like, oh, we need to go! We just need out! Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love that... From the word jump, this fight is about him getting out of this room, and he can't. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the rest of the issue isn't that good, because no. they they have their fight, and then in the middle of that, in comes Jackson Wheel in his stupid, big, dumb, big wheel apparatus. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And again, so wait, I have a question. He is meant to be treated as a threat. <laughs> Who sucks here? Is it the tinkerer that sucks or is it the is it Jackson Wheel that sucks? I think there's plenty of blame to go around. Because, I think that Rocket like, Racer sucks. Well, I think the Big Wheel sucks. I yes. think the tinkerer sucks for making all of this happen. <laughs> like Well, yeah, but like is it is it the Tinkerer's vision that he was like, the guy's name's Jackson Wheel? Well, that's too that's too good to pass up. Yeah. Uh, or is it, the, was it Jackson Wheel's vision that was like, I want a big wheel, and, Pinker, and Tinkerer's just like, yeah, what, sure, man, whatever you want. <laughs> well, from the beginning, in the beginning of the issue, when he pays him a visit, he tells, Jackson Wheel tells Tinkerer that Rocket Racer keeps calling him Big Wheel. And so I think that's the point at which Tinkerer is just like, I've got just the thing. Um, Oh, yeah, because he did say that he'd have to all he'd have to do is retrofit something he already had. Yeah. So. Big Wheel and Rocket Racer kind of put me in mind of the uh, the. Um. Patton Oswalt bit about the Avengers where it's just like I like the way you tether ball sir <laughs> and that's kind of and that's kind of how the tinkerer is it's just like you want to be a supervillain well is there anything you do really well and it's just like well I skateboard and it's just like I can work with that and then somebody else comes in and it's like is there anything you do really well and they're just like no and he's like I can work with that big wheel and then somebody comes in and they're like and he says can you do anything really well and they're like I don't know I'm a certified public accountant so I can do math real well and he's like okay so ninja stars shaped like uh yeah. you know and it's just like god damn it tinkerer just knock it off <laughs> um i guess the i guess the thrust of all of this is if you're gonna go to the tinkerer have something in mind do not rely on the tinkerer because his ideas are crap but anyway so at the end of this big wheel unsurprisingly goes into the river and unsurprisingly doesn't come up Unfortunately, surprisingly, he survives. Um, but Peter rushes back to the hospital and finds out that he's 
<laughs> he's made Aunt May worse. At which point, MJ shows up and she's like, yeah, uh, about that ring thing, it, it's a no for me. Uh, sorry, but I'm just not the marrying kind. And so Peter's just like, meh, sadness. And then he goes home and someone's in his apartment. Um, I feel like Mary Jane lets him down easy, though. Like She does. Well, she does. Well, not, I mean, well, not like easy, but she does the right thing, which is basically, this is not for me. Yeah. I don't know what you're on about. And maybe, uh, maybe later if I come around to it, which I'm not saying I'm going to, but maybe later, this is not a now situation. <laughs> and he's like, Ugh. and he said, I mean, she jilted me. And I'm like, nah, dude, I didn't jilt you. Well, and you're not asking for the right reasons either. No, because as, as we, as we discover, like he, he gets the no, this issue. And then immediately is just like, well, Betty Brandt? Like, he does it. He's not like, okay, you know, I still care and about even, you. I still want to be together. And even with he's Betty, just, he's like, um, I think because Betty's coming on so strong, I mean, we're going to get to it, but because Betty's coming on so strong, he's like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Like, yeah. is this what it... I could, ha because I could have this, right? Do yeah. I want this for the right reasons? No, I don't think I do. Ah, oh, piss. <laughs> like, but like he he entertains the notion, and that's oh, why yes. I think this was absolutely the right move. Because, yeah, like he clearly, you know, he's clearly asking for the wrong reasons. He's he's asking just to sort out his life, not because. He wants to marry her and yeah so uh spectacular spider-man number 21 has a cover by keith pollard and terry austin and is written by bill mantlo penciled by jim mooney inked by mike esposito colored by don warfield lettered by joe rosen and edited by jim shooter i do apologize i figured we'd move on and then catch a catch the rest of this once we've got the rest of the Amazing yeah, Spider-Man yeah. done. Uh, <clears throat> Scorpion has been wandering around since his defeat at the hands of Ms. Marvel. Uh, so he is um, he is out for Jane Jonah Jameson yet again. Um, Peter, meanwhile, uh, goes to Aunt Mays to collect some stuff and while he's there he and mary jane have a conversation about his asking um at which point mary jane is just like yeah like maybe we don't talk about that right now <laughs> um and he's like okay okay but like clearly he's dying to uh while that's going on then peter has a run-in with hector who last time we read this book was revealed to the world to have been uh, the white tiger. And Holly is just like, fuck you, bro. I'm not, I'm not messing with any of that. 
Uh, and she leaves him to get mobbed by uh, his new fans. <clears throat> the thrust of the issue, though, is uh, the Scorpion tries to go after Jameson. Spider-Man intervenes, saves the... <laughs> the bugle building from getting hit with a car uh jonah i think the highlight here is jonah who's just like get him scorpion and robbie has to be like scorpion's coming to kill you you know that right and jameson's just like uh, get him spider-man <laughs> and everything but um throughout all of this scorpion's just like i want to kill jameson he made me a monster, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Spider-Man beats him and then pulls off the scorpion mask. And he's just like, you're not a fucking monster, you idiot. And then leaves him to the police. Um, not a bad issue. Uh, no, but... I... There's a swing here that they could have taken as far as, like, doing something a little more with... Uh, scorpion reflecting back to spider-man the way that he's been behaving right sort of in that it's all put upon me and like i'm doing and it's like some of this is your fault too peter right yeah like they don't go that far uh i think the kernel is there and you could have made it a little more clear but over i mean i like this issue i think because i like how tragic scorpion is in it normally scorpion i'm like yay it's scorpion we get to have a fight like because that's all i really expect out of matt gargan is just yeah we he shows up does some terrors terrorizing uh then we have a good fight and the scorpion fight is usually a good fight with spider-man um it's not so great when he's fighting say captain america who is just basically like who are you bam done (laughs) thank you um, where a, a Spider-Man Scorpion fight is usually pretty good and fun, and this one is. Um, we almost got a little more than that, as as I guess what I'm saying. So, well, I don't. It's one of those things that I feel like uh, the. We're not ready for that conversation, as it were. Like, sure. Because Peter does spend a whole lot of his time up on the cross. Uh, yeah. And uh, so, you know, yeah, I, I just, this point of time, I just don't think we're to that uh that point yet you know that we're going to get a deep dive into why is peter the way he is and how does he uh no how does he get past that well Um, yeah but like i think there's what i i guess what i mean is they're still doing a good job with the character because I care about him and I want him to get to that place. 
right? Like, I'm not irritated that we're not doing it, but, like, I'm... I still care about Peter because I want him to make those things for himself. You know, like, right. if you just admit, you know, some of these problems are yours, and some of them you can, you know, they're your problems and you can take care of them, then your life will be better and I want that for you, you know? Like, I want you and MJ to get together because clearly you should. She can't do it because of her things. That's fine. That's her things. But you also have things. Uh, yeah. So, I, I, I just, it's, it's neat that uh, I, like, I'm okay with, I'm okay with the fact that we're not doing it. Um, I just think it's neat that I care enough about the character to want those things to happen too. So right, right. So uh, that brings us to Amazing Spider-Man number one eighty-four, which has a cover by Ross Andrew and Bob McCloud, and is inked by Frank Giacoya, colored by Glennis Ween, lettered by Jim Novak and John Costanza. Um, Peter comes home and finds Betty Brand in his apartment. And Betty explains, yeah, I up and left Ned because he's just never around. And uh, marriage is not what I thought it was going to be. So I thought I'd come back here and uh, see if maybe we could start some shit back up. And Peter's just like, oh, okay. <clears throat> like I said, though, the fact that... The fact that he he even entertains the idea of getting back together with Betty Brand makes it clear that MJ was not wrong to turn down his oh, no. marriage proposal at this point in time. Um, we get some brief stuff about Jonah and Marla goes go to visit John Jameson, who's been in cryo cryogenic uh, freeze since I think an issue of Marvel team up that he was in. Uh, and during that, uh, Jameson threatens the doctor and tells him you aren't fucking doing enough. Uh, and the doctor's just like, I'm doing everything I can, but like, what, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want? There's, there's nothing I can do. Um, so, yeah, but in the end, the main thrust of this issue is that while getting ready for graduation, uh, we're introduced to Philip Chang, who is a, uh, is a, uh, exchange student and <clears throat> keeps to himself and Betty Brand, like, kind of goads Peter into going up and talking to him because she's like, well, you know, he's kind of like you were in high school. And he's like, God damn it, you're right. So he goes up to talk to him, but the guy the guy nearly attacks him. Like, takes a swing, but Peter's able to duck it. And the guy's like, oh my god, I'm so jumpy, I nearly hurt you. Ah! And takes off. So... That night, Peter has a run-in with this gang, the Dragon Lords, but uh, the guy that they were hitting up for protection money is not willing to uh, involve the police because that's not how things work in Chinatown. 
Uh, the next day, uh, Peter and now Betty I'm go sad. to get. Do what? Now I'm sad. Because <laughs> you mentioned uh, Chinatown. <laughs> Peter and Betty go and are getting some Chinese food. It turns out that Philip works there, and oh, by the way, Betty knew that somehow. Uh, at which point Peter's just like, hey, like, you're clearly in trouble. Is there anything I can do to help? Um, Philip starts to explain what happened, uh, that he got up to shit back in Hong Kong that resulted in his uh, home being blown up. His parents were killed and he swore off violence forever. Uh, however, now in the U.S., the uh, the Dragon Lord gangs are trying to force him to uh, join or else they'll let the people back home know where he is. They're cut off when the White Dragon bursts in. Um, and uh, he... Um, he is able to escape with Philip, but Peter tags him with a tracer. Uh, he follows the tracer to the Dragon Lord's hideout, uh, where each of the four Dragon Lord's gangs, because apparently there's like yellow dragons and purple dragons and blah, blah, blah. Who gives a shit? Like, they're, they're Power Rangers, color-coded dragons, whatever. Um, I assume... I assume the yellow dragon lords are uh, are protected against lightning attacks, whereas the purple ones are what spirit magic, uh, um, or psychic, or psychic. It sure. I mean, it depends on uh, which which color ranking system you want to go with. Psychic right. it, would be. I mean, if you were doing a Pokemon thing, it would be depending psychic. on the system you're using. Yeah, I yes. get it. I get and that. Uh, um, but it could, it could also be acid. Um, you know, who knows? Acid sometimes Potentially, green. it could be... The thing is, like, acid slash poison tends to be either green or purple, depending. Yeah. So or, they could be uh, um, Or just, you know, uh, uh, force, you know. Uh, they could be strong against grape. We don't, yeah. don't know. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, the blue ones, are, of course, are strong against fire. Um... But yeah. yeah. Anyway, not the not the red ones, um, right? Um, but anyway, the uh, Spider-Man gets defeated and winds up being trussed up and strung up above a vat of oil. Um, and Philip is told, "Join one of these gangs, or we kill Spider-Man." So that brings us to Amazing Spider-Man number one eighty-five, which is which has a cover by Ross Andrew and Mike Esposito and Irving Watanabe, uh, inked by Mike Esposito, colored by Nell Yamtov and Michelle Wolfman, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Annette Kowecki, uh, and John Costanza. So, Philip is like, I'm sorry, Spider-Man, I can't. Uh, so, the White Dragon drops Spider-Man into the oil and ignites it. Spider-Man is able, under the surface of the oil, because oil burns from the top down, he is able to build him, to spin himself a suit of webbing. 
which allows him to escape from the vat um, and out a window into the river. Um, and uh, so the white dragon is like, let's get the fuck out of here. Uh, Spider-Man comes back and Phil is by himself. Um, <clears throat> so this is where we get the backstory about his, how his house blew up. Yeah. Because he but was, it's, it's all the same. Whatever. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Um, now we have more time to talk about grape flavored dragon lords. Uh, so the white dragon gathers a bunch of his men together. Um, just remembering two episodes ago, all of your senses. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. There yeah, you go. This, this you, is a, this is a, this is a gang member. You wouldn't mind licking. Um, there's a I pandemic mean, if you, on <laughs> if you if you like grape flavored things not everybody does some no. people like grapes but not grape flavored stuff it just That's depends true. you know um, it's like I like how we all agreed that grape Kool-Aid is the grape flavor when honestly it tastes nothing like that um, no it really doesn't and, you know Jolly Ranchers is the exact same way Cool. Oh, right. <laughs> right, right. Spider-Man. So, He's fighting gangs or something. One of the Dragon Lords is just like, why the fuck should we listen to you? You got your ass kicked by Spider-Man. At which point the dragon kills him. Um, and then one of the other guys is like, hey, what's that on your belt? And that's when the white dragon finds the, uh, finds the spider tracer. So Spider-Man heads toward Chinatown now that his tracer is out of commission and just sort of swings around using his spider sense to try and figure out where they are. He does it, um, at which point he swings in, he separates the various Dragon Lord gangs from the White Dragon uh, and proceeds to... Proceeds to defeat the white dragon himself at which point the dragon lords are just like okay well fuck this um and uh so then that leads us to the second half of our issue which is about peter parker's graduation uh joe robertson is nice enough to bring in a television to allow aunt may to watch however unfortunately uh Peter's name is not showing up anywhere. He's not in the program. They don't have a cap and gown for him, which should be should be setting some things off in Peter's brain. Uh, but Peter is nothing if not dense when it involves literally anything that should make his life easier. So uh, Flash and Harry come and congratulate him. Betty Brand is there and she's just like, hey, big boy. Uh, and then she is so hot for him. And, she is. And like, it's just like, I need you to calm down. Like, Well, it's it's really frustrating because you want to take her aside and be like, look, Peter Parker's dick is not going to solve your marital problems. I'm sorry. You need to sort yourself out before you can do anything. What um, is it? I, um, 28 days 
where it's just like nobody gets to have sex with anybody <laughs> until until you're all like a little clearer, all right? Yeah. Nobody gets to have sex with anybody. It will not make it better. It will yeah. probably make it worse. So everybody showers, cold showers all around. Just well, go. Well, yeah, and you're not like it when you're in your when you're in recovery, it's like they're like, yeah, you need to not date anybody for a while. Um and that's true here. Like, you know, you cannot you cannot rely on relationships to fix your problems or else you're going to wind up leaving another dude in Paris. Uh, And that's just how it's going to go. Sort your shit out, then pursue a relationship. Um, So at the end of things, Peter comes up to the Dean and he's like, Hey, why is it? Why wasn't I allowed to graduate? And the Dean's like, you're a credit short. You need to take PE over the summer. And Peter's like, Oh, well, that's doable. So, it's it's God, it really do you is. Remember when credits were just like fifty bucks? Just be, oh. No. Because <laughs> uh, if you if I came up to you or came up to a dean and was like, "Oh, you're a credit short," I'd be like, "You're gonna charge me twelve hundred dollars for this, aren't you?" And yeah. they're going to be, uh, yeah, I mean, you, we got all the processing fees and then the actual credit fee and all that. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. I don't need it. I I, I don't care anymore. Yeah. Sorry. That's a random rant. Thinking well, about my no, student I mean, loans. Man, the cost of higher education now is just insane. Um, and it's such, it's such a grift. Anyway, so yeah, he's just like, all right, not a problem. We can do that. The, like I say, though, it is amazing to me how someone as smart as Peter cannot twig to the various clues that, no, you're not graduating today, dude. <laughs> like, uh, I honestly, I would not be surprised if at the end of the ceremony, there had been a portion where they read a list of all the people who came close to graduating, but failed to do so, so that the entire audience could laugh at them, and Peter would still just be sitting there going, huh, I wonder what that means. <laughs> um, but anyway, overall, this week's Spider-Man, not bad. Um, there's some stuff that's really annoying, like this stuff with Betty, but um, as far as, like, Mary Jane refusing the proposal. Yeah, totally. I'm on board with you, Mary Jane. Don't fucking do it. Uh, Yeah. I mean, if I look at it in one respect where it's like, Spider-Man is almost always best when we're doing character things. Like, the fighty stuff is fine, but I don't really come here for fights. Um, they can be extremely dynamic and interesting and cool and good, but like, I'm here for uh, him and Mary Jane figuring their shit out, or you know, him getting yelled at by a doctor and how he takes that. Like, I'm, I'm more here for that and the other characters. Like, he's this book is so, and always has been. Like, the supporting cast is almost the reason why I show up. 
And if you're doing them good, then I'm happy. And this is one of those instances this week where it's like Mary Jane being like, okay, uh, A, sudden, and B, no, uh, is doing her well. Like, that's good for her. Um, And I'm, you know, that makes me happy. uh, And I'm good. I'm good with it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. The the thing that I will the thing that to build upon what you said, I think what's interesting about um, Spider-Man is that it is his connection to the other characters that drives the book. And that's why people complain about, like, the fact that every that every character that every villain has some personal connection to spider-man but also like that's why you read spider-man is for the character work you know someone like captain america can just fight nazis and it's fine but spider-man you want that character connection that's what the character's for um yeah what we were talking about how the good it's a good when he knows who the goblin is and there's a connection there, it makes the fight more interesting. Because he's like, Harry's lost it, right? Harry doesn't know who he is or where he is or what he's doing. And when he knew it was Norman, same fucking thing. Like, he's like, so just pummeling the ever-living fuck out of him, which he could do because it's a guy in a costume, right? Like, there's no superpowers here. It's just a dude with some tricks, like well he does have enhanced strength and things like that but certainly okay. not to peter's level so he could beat the lever living crap out of him but he can't because he knows it's norman therefore conflict within conflict like that's right why i'm there right and that's and why that norman, fight works and one and once norman offs gwen stacy then their every interaction becomes that much stronger because of that like it's you want personal connections between peter and the people around him sure in the comics you can get away with max dylan just being some rando or the vulture just being some rando but in in terms of the movies or the video games where you have less time then you need that because without without the character work who the fuck cares like, I mean, yeah, that's the best part of Spider-Man. That's the best part of of uh, Spider-Verse is because once Peter knew knows that Prowler's his uncle, like you mean Miles, Miles, sorry, once Miles knows that Prowler's his uncle, like that's the whole fucking thing. Like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's why you want that is because it becomes not only interesting in, inside the fight, but like it's interesting inside the character. Like he's got to do more work now. It's yeah. Yeah. You know, other, other characters can have fucking randos. It doesn't matter. Um, but Peter, Peter needs to have some connection to what's going on around him or else. Why bother? Right. So, uh, uh, Machine Man number seven has a cover by Jack Kirby and is written and penciled by Jack Kirby, inked by Mike Royer, 
who also lettered it, colored by Petra Goldberg and edited by Jack Kirby and Jim Shooter. Uh, this issue, Machine Man is getting ready for a, a government panel to decide what is going to happen to him. He does a little showing off, which ingratiates him to the public, and then <clears throat> goes back to Sir Sterling's house, where they are going to start gearing up for his defense. Uh, Machine Man powers down for the night, only for Sterling to be kidnapped while he's powered down. Comes to, finds a, finds a note saying, hey, we took him, come here, and we'll do a switch so he takes off uh the mili or the the government panel uh which has some douchebag on there that is like out to vilify machine man for political reasons is just like okay we need to locate him so they call in colonel Craig. um at the end of this uh machine man is dropped down a missile silo um at which point uh the the guy who is running things and this is also called the corporation i'm not sure if it winds up being retconned to be the same group and honestly i don't really care uh as the one in jack of hearts but this guy from the corporation comes on and he's like, just stay here and we'll let your buddy go. Um, and Sterling is like, don't do it. They're going to copy you and build an army of machine men. And I just, I don't care. <laughs> um, like, at this point, I'd be happy if they built an army of machine men. Because it would mean something that I give a shit about happening. But yeah, whatever. did you, sorry, I got distracted. Did you do the thing about the, the guy with the remote control robot who decided to take machine man on or so I didn't really, that's, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't matter because it's stupid, but like, this is the kind of shit we're getting up to in this book constantly is yeah. here's the thing that's dumb. And I'm like, are you, what are we doing? Right, yeah. we had we had one really goddamn interesting moment about his humanity the last time we read Machine Man, and that was about it. Um, mm. And I, Jack, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah, what is it that you want to say? And that's the other thing. Like, what is it you want to say with this book that you're not doing yet? Because yeah. that's his Jack's. Thing almost all the time is subtlety is not his deal right right it never has been and mm -hmm. this isn't even doing not subtle this is just doing nothing yeah i you know if we were spending more time on what actually constitutes a person mm-hmm then I'd be more okay with this book. But we don't. We spend yeah. a whole bunch of time on bullshit that... And Jack Kirby's just like, look at this thing! And it's like, uh-huh. But why? Yeah. And he's like, 
because it because it's a thing, and it's just like because hijinks enough. <laughs> so, uh, issue eight. I don't want to spend a bunch of time on he he escapes from the hole, yep. uh, and then is brought to the guy, um, and he's brought before the guy who had kidnapped Sterling, but then like Spalding, the guy, but Spalding, sorry, yeah, uh, I don't know, uh, pedantic Max is pedantic. The the guy manages to escape. Meanwhile, Spalding is rescued by Colonel Craig. Blah blah blah. And at the end of this, Machine Man is seemingly nuked. We good? Yep. <laughs> All right. Machine Man number nine inexplicably begins with everything being fine. Uh, at which point, um. Machine Man is brought in and he explains, he explains why, you know, Colonel Craig is just like, I get it. You had to leave because Balding had been kidnapped. And Machine Man's like, yes. And they're like, but how did you manage to survive getting nuked? And he tells them, and it's as dumb a story as you would expect. Oh, uh, I dug a hole. By the way, Machine Man number nine is colored by George Russo's. Sorry. Um... And then the rest of this issue centers around, there's a guy that Spalding and Machine Man are supposed to be meeting who's a lawyer that's going to represent them. It turns out it's actually a guy who's been hired by the corporation in order to steal Machine Man. Uh, and yeah, uh, so he, he comes in posing as the lawyer and tells Machine Man the first thing you need to do is deactivate your weapon systems. That is the best thing to do to get people to trust you. And so Machine Man's like, yeah, sure. And he does it. And then he's like, so what else are you planning, Mr. Mister Villain Man? And the guy's like, what? I'm not a villain. And he's like, come on. Like, I'm a robot. I have a computer brain. Like, obviously you are. And Spalding's just like, what? <laughs> uh, but this leads to a fight between the two of them. And I also, uh, well, so to deactivate his weapon systems and then to reactivate them, he has to take his face off, push the X fifty one button on his under face, and then he forgets to. He doesn't put his face back on while they have the fight. Uh, if I were his actual lawyer, or if this was an actual lawyer. And this, you know, it wasn't a spy or some kind, or an assassin or whatever. Uh, I I would like to think that that's okay. First, you know, first things first, turn off your weapon systems. Okay, cool. Takes it off his face, turns off his weapon system, puts his face back on. Okay, number two, never do that again. Oh my god! Oh my <laughs> never, god! That was hor- never. Yeah, <laughs> that was horrifying. Never do that in public. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, we're gonna try to keep it quiet that that could even happen. Holy yeah. fuck! <laughs> yeah, uh, but the end result of this is that the guy escapes, and yeah. uh, so they they are left to decide what they're going to do about his trial. Um, the The frustrating thing is that when I read Jack Kirby's dialogue. 
in conversation, in natural conversation, there is a give and a take. Okay? I say a thing, and then you say a thing based on what I just said. Uh, that is not the way Jack Kirby writes. The way that Jack Kirby writes is a bunch of non sequiturs that just kind of happen one after the the other. Um, it's because like, it's like Bendis, but no connection at right. all. Right? Yeah, because there's a there's a scene where, like. Spalding says, this is our cue to remove the bone of contention. You. And Machine Man says, I don't suppose I'll ever win a popularity contest. And then he's like, say, didn't you mention something about a lawyer showing up? A fellow recommended by a friend of yours? And it's like, you could cut out any one of those lines and just have it by itself. And it would change nothing. And it's like, there is, there is no context for most of what people say because it's utterly divorced from everything everyone else is saying. And it drives me crazy. It's a bitch to read. It's one of the reasons why it's so difficult to get myself to read the Kirby stuff is yeah. because I have to work so much harder and there's so many more words right like i know that that's me complaining about reading like that's what you're here that's what you're here for idiot but like he because he the way that he does like does things i'm just like yeah, yeah, yeah. Skim, skim, skim. Oh, God. What it, wait, now I've skimmed something. What happened up there? I needed to know what that was, apparently. And it's just so much more work to get And it's not work an I want to do. That's, that's not, the thing. Yeah. Like, if, yeah. If, if I have to put effort into something that... I mean, because this is all voluntary. We're doing this to <laughs> ourselves. If I'm going to put the work in, I want it to be something that I stand a chance of enjoying. Um, yeah. And that's not, that's just not been the case with Kirby. Like so much of his stuff. I'm just like, uh huh. Okay. Moving on. Yeah. So fortunately, I think this is the last Kirby machine man. So thank God. Uh, Moving on, Marvel Team-Up number 71 has a cover by Ernie Chan and is written by Bill Kunkel, penciled by David Wenzel, inked by Dan Green, colored by Francois Mouly, lettered by Rick Parker, and edited by Jim Shooter. Uh, Falcon goes to meet up with Cap, but when he arrives, Cap is laying on the ground unresponsive, uh, holding a flower. He takes him to S.H.I.E.L.D., at which point they're like, yeah, he's dying and this flower's the re reason why. We're not familiar with this flower, so we don't have an antitoxin. So it now becomes a race against time to figure out what caused it. Uh, while that's going on, 
there is a research lab being robbed uh, and Spider-Man breaks it up. <clears throat> some of the men flee and some of them are not knocked out for a little while. Uh, but it turns out they're stealing fertilizer. Spider-Man doesn't really have a chance to ponder this as he is then attacked by Falcon. Uh, Falcon's just like, I'm following leads and it turns out you're here. What did you do to Cap? Uh, and Spider-Man's like, I didn't. And then manages to knock Falcon into some crates where one of the guys is laying. And Falcon's like, oh, I jumped the gun. I'm sorry, uh, but my friend's dying. And Spider-Man's like, it's cool. Let me help. Yeah. So the two of them uh, work together to uh, get some info out of this uh, minion who happily gives it up. Um, and uh, so Please they had... stop punching me. I'll tell you whatever you want. Yeah. So they head okay. to this mansion that has these massive greenhouses uh attached and when they get there spider-man knocks out a guy and steals his uniform gets inside um and it turns out it's plant man he he knocks a guy out and then goes into plant man and says he touched one of the flowers and now he's out cold what what do we do and plant man's like i've been wanting to test the anti-venom or the anti-toxin so let's do that. At which point Spider-Man's like, yoink! And uh, then Falcon, Falcon comes in. They manage to um, defeat Plant Man and his men, uh, turn them over to the authorities, and then they take the antitoxin back to S.H.I.E.L.D. Cap is saved. Hooray. Um, and then we get an ending that is... It's really hard to tell whether Nick Fury's joking or just being an asshole. Uh, because, you know, he's just like, I guess even public menaces can be on the side of the good guys. And Spider-Man's like, ha ha ha, yeah, fuck you. And like takes off. Um, I like so, how you've described Fury there. Where it's really hard to tell and I'm like, actually, yeah, that's just him. Yeah. Is he being sarcastic or an asshole? Yes. Yes to the both. Answer is, the answer is yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us to our last issue of the week, which is Marvel Team-Up number 72, which has a cover by John Byrne and Bob Layton, uh, written by Bill Mantlo, penciled by Jim Mooney, inked by Jim Mooney, lettered by Irving Watanabe, and edited by Bob Hall. Uh, this issue, Spider-Man happens across a burglary, as is so often the case, and uh, it it's a bunch of dudes stealing furs. He breaks it up, but then is attacked uh, by a vehicle that fires drugged pellets. Uh, Spider-Man is able to fend off the effects of the drug but then is attacked by um, the guy leading them who turns out to be Whiplash. Uh, as the police arrive, Whiplash is like, well, 
I don't have time to kill you, so bye. Uh, before, as he takes off, Peter's able to attach a spider tracer to him and then passes out. Um, he wakes up and he's in, in a police infirmary with uh, Gene DeWolf and Iron Man. Uh, Gene DeWolf is just like, it's okay, they didn't take off your mask. I made sure of it. And Peter's like, thanks. Um, and so they're like, okay, let's, let's compare notes. Uh, Spider-Man tells them that Whiplash was involved. Iron Man's like, oh, so that's why I'm here. Uh, and so they start trying to figure out what they're going to do. Um, we switch to Whiplash, uh, arriving back at their base, at which point the guy who it turns out is running all of this, which is the Wraith, uh, rips him a new asshole for failing, uh, not only to steal everything he was supposed to steal, but also for failing to kill Spider-Man. Um, and this is where I got confused. Wasn't Wraith a good guy last time? Well, Wraith was a villain, uh, but then, like, the Gene DeWolf was able to get through to him, and he's like, okay, okay, I'll stop. Right, because she's his brother, or sister. Yeah, she's his sister, and then, uh, at some point since then, his power has gotten the better of him, and he's returned to his villainous ways. Right. So, <clears throat> an alarm goes off. Uh, letting them know that know that Spider-Man, Iron Man, and Gene DeWolf have arrived. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Whiplash confronts Iron Man in a room full of mirrors, but that does not go his way. Uh, and Iron Man deals with him handily. Uh, Spider-Man get starts having hallucinations caused by the Wraith, but then the Wraith. Uh, is stopped because Gene DeWolf pulls a gun on him and is just like, knock it off, man. Like, what the fuck are you doing? So the Wraith starts trying to convince her to uh, blow her own brains out, uh, at which point Spider-Man gets involved. Um, Iron Man and Whiplash slam through the wall, uh, which gives Gene... An opportunity to be like, come on, like, what are you doing? You said you were going to stop this. Uh, you're better than this and stuff like that. He, uh, she starts getting through and he realizes, oh my God, you're right. Uh, Whiplash is just like, fuck all of this and starts to attack and attacks Gene DeWolf, which causes Wraith to turn on him. And Whiplash uh, has a hallucination of his whip turning into a snake. And ultimately, he winds up getting led away in a straitjacket because of all of this. Um, the Wraith is a. The Wraith gives it up and uh, promises not to use his powers again. And that's kind of the end of it. Uh. I mean, I like that not every not every fight has to end with 
somebody hitting somebody else harder. <laughs> uh, but this is this story because of the nature of Marvel team up, because it is like wrap it up now we're bringing another hero next issue it winds up not being able to have the room it needs to breathe right so you know issue 71 was surprisingly good uh you know because it was like okay the heroes fight but it's it's because falcon is literally flailing at anything he can find it's not the obligatory heroes fight. It's Falcons under the gun and he makes a mistake, um, which is a lot more interesting than just heroes fighting heroes. Um, like I said, this issue, I would have liked this if it had been in Spider-Man's own book, because then it could have had two issues. It would have had time to do what it needs to do. Um, you know, I'm glad on the one hand, I'm glad that they didn't stretch it out to two issues of Marvel team up, but put it somewhere where it can get the time that it needs to breathe is all I'm saying. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't have much else to add to that. If it, it would, it would have had better better luck both of both stories if it was in the other book but yeah yeah so top five top five the watcher's guides top five top five uh number five i dug a hole <laughs> it's just the dumbest way to survive a nuclear holocaust that i can think of uh yep. and and he seems real proud of his solution <laughs> like i i blasted a hole into the ground and i hit good job man good job well done that uh, computer brain is really coming through yep uh number <laughs> number four. Oh shit i just went out of this room <laughs> i just how slapstick and i think it plays well like it and i think that was the uh, intention is he bursts yeah. in and goes this was a bad idea and then cannot get out i i, I love right. that it's fun uh number three is like you said the falcon and spider-man have a fight but the reason for the fight is really just because falcon doesn't know what else to do and yeah. As soon as he figures out, as soon as Spider-Man gets him call, like stalled out enough that he can get a, a word in edgewise, both of them are like, oh shit, sorry. And even yeah. and Spider-Man even isn't like pissed. He's just like, no, it's cool. Now that I understand, yeah, I get you. Um, yeah. I know what this looks like. I know who I am. Um, number two, Jack of Hearts isn't a dummy. Progress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then number one is uh, easily just uh, MJ's reaction to the proposal and then her uh, saying, nah, dog, thanks. Yeah. Um, because it's just good. 
And again, like, I just like the fact that her reaction in the in the initial proposal and my reaction are exactly the same, where it's just like, what? what? No, yeah. that doesn't seem like a good idea. No one's going yeah. to enjoy that. Um, yeah, I just... And the fact that I, as a reader, uh, felt like I had more in common with MJ in that moment than I did with Peter, even though I've been hanging out with Peter all day. I, I just, yeah. the construction there was so good. Um, so, yeah. that's me. Uh, number five for me is uh, Jonah in that issue of Spectacular <laughs> Spider-Man. I love that his first instinct is to root against Spider-Man, and Joe has to be like, Hey, um, Scorpion wants to kill you. And then Jonah's like, Hooray! Go, Spider-Man. Yay, Walter. Yeah. Uh, Number four is, The answer to all my problems is Peter's dick. Uh, yeah, Betty, calm it the fuck down. <laughs> seriously. Um, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I think if I were in that situation, if I were Peter in that situation, I'd be like, I don't even think that. And it's my dick. Like, <laughs> yeah. So you really shouldn't think that. <laughs> this is... Um, uh... So... Yeah, Betty Betty is on track for a string of failed marriages. Um, I don't recall what happens to her offhand, but yeah. So, uh, number three is uh, Peter fucks up so bad it nearly kills his aunt again. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, that whole thing was just really funny. Uh, number two... Here's the thing, I, we still get a little bit of Jack being dumb, because there was a scene where he's, like, headed to Ithaca, but he doesn't bother to, like, figure out where he's going, (laughs) so he has to stop on the way at a gas station to get a map, and once he has that map, he's just like, okay, it's all, it's all now in my computer brain, but, like, he didn't do that before, even though he had an hour. He had an hour to kill before he could go. He had but he was to, still just he, like... Well, he had an hour he had to kill because he yeah. misted himself as soon as he got home. And the mist suppresses all of his his energies. So he's like, well, I guess I'll uh, read? What am I doing? Yeah, what do I like... Do? He doesn't he does he does not use that time to figure out any sort of plan. He does not use that time to study up on where he's going. I guess he just like watched a couple episodes of the Golden Girls and called it good. Well, I mean it's the seventies, so mod. Uh but anyway. Uh Rhoda. Either way. Do what? Rhoda. Yeah, but I in in my head canon, Jack of Hearts is a huge B. Arthur fan. Oh, okay. So you can see where I, how I got to where I am. Yeah. Uh, and number one is MJ uh, turning down the proposal, because yeah, that was completely like I root for I root for Peter, and I root for Peter and MJ, 
But yeah, don't don't say yes. That's a mistake. Yeah, it's. I I I think they do a really clear job, without actually saying it, right? Yeah. That his proposal was him being like, okay, if I can, like I was saying earlier, if I can pin down this one thing, then everything else will start going my way. I'll be able to work on the other things. I just want to pin down this one thing, and I'm gonna make a. And it's like, no, dude, you're just you're just making a choice because you're not sure what else to do like you think well, it's a band-aid it's huh? a that's all it ever is, is it's it, a psychological you know? band-aid too it's not gonna yeah. actually help anything you need to you're just trying to to control one thing that you think you can get away with and it's like yeah. no no you're making a snap decision on something that you need to spend a little time with and also talk to her about right like yeah I mean, I think even he could come out. First of all, tell her you're fucking Spider-Man. Second, once he does that, he can be like, and because of that, I think that's why I was actually trying, why I proposed the initial time. Um, I understand why you didn't want to uh, that. And that actually will help with their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's frustrating, but... uh... (laughs) But I think that was well handled on her part, if yeah. not his. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so join us next week, because we'll have some spiderness, but mostly it's going to be a whole bunch of Thor, uh, which, hooray. Um, so, yeah. In the meantime, uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, both individually and uh, collectively at, at Watcher's Guide MU. Rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, email us at watchersguide at gmail.com or visit our website at watchersguide.com. Yeah. All right. I'm Max. Bye. <laughs> Have a marvelous week.